Anyone believing for a victory in this place this morning? Come to the right place. I'm going to go ahead and just pray over us as we get, continue in our worship. Dear God, we thank you so much for every single person you brought into this building. God, we thank you so much for, uh, God, that all that you're doing in our hearts, God, and in the heart of this church, Lord Jesus. God, we just pray over um, all circumstances, people coming in, God, depressed or feeling anxious, God, or frustrated or just a little busy. And a, a, God, I just pray um, that you'd be in this place, Holy Spirit, that you'd have your way. Jesus, that you would meet with us here in this building this morning as we praise you and worship you. God, we love you. We thank you and are so grateful for all you do for us and all of our people said Amen. We're going to continue to thank Jesus with our worship this morning.
Good morning, everybody. I'm Dave. Would you take a seat this morning as we continue our worship? This is a continuation of our expressing God's uh, love back to him and reflecting that. I was reminded this past week, for a number of years, Lori has wanted a mantle. We have a fireplace. We got, we, you know, God really blessed us with a beautiful home. And but it's one of those with, like, you know, fake rocks or whatever, stones, bricks. And they're all sticking out at different le levels. And, and so they come away. So for last six years, she's like, I want a mantle. I want something. Because she loves to decorate. And I love that she loves to decorate. But a mantle, I mean, when, you get, when you're thinking about it, how do, how do you put it on flush? Because it got all these different variations of space. And so she'd show me mantles every year around Christmas, around the holidays. She'd be like, how about this one? How about this one? I'm like, no, that one won't work. That one won't work. <laughs> because none of them won't, won't work because I don't want them to work. Because then I would have to work. Because I have to put it on. And I don't know how. And I was just kind of, it's intimidating. You know, you ever felt kind of ill-equipped for something you've been asked to do? And, and so you just don't want to do it? You're like, no, let's go sweep the garage or whatever. There's something else I can do that I know how to do that I can do well. But I was just a little intimidated by trying to, I'm not a construction person. I'm not a contractor. I don't have any, you know, carpentry skills really. Um, so basically I just like, okay, you know, what are you looking at? Because she showed me again. I, how about this one? How about this one? So she picks a mantle. And I was like, just get it. Just go ahead and order it. And I'll figure it out. And so sure enough, it comes. And the weekends we've been um, working at Chase's house. Chase and L bought a house that's pretty much just had a, a gut job. Just had to go clear through it. Yeah, it's a big answer to prayer. But we're, we're so the weekends are kind of like uh, working at the house, uh, trying to help them get it ready to move in. And I'm like, ah, oh, another project. I don't want a project. So I had this really bad attitude. And to be honest, um, it, it was kind of showing. And so Lori's like, Mr. Positivity, where's, you know, where's that positivity, you, you know, you're famous for? I'm like, yeah, I just, I don't have any right now. This, it, this project just kind of took it out of me. But so I'm putting the thing together. And, and so it became a full day project to try and figure out how to make it this. And it's not just because you have to get, you have to find the studs through the rocks, you know. And, and stud finders don't work through, you know, steel and rock and concrete. And so... Anyway, it was just a really complex thing for me, being an unskilled guy. Finally, we got it done, you know, worked throughout the weekend and whatever. And so last night about 1130, we're standing there and got the lights on. And she's got little pumpkins and all that stuff up there. And it's just like, what a good feeling to know. It's kind of like, ah, you know, yeah, I did it. You know, yeah, look at that. I mean, it's, it's up. It looks good. And I'm like feeling a sense of accomplishment. Isn't it interesting that so many times in life, we approach things from the negative, and when we don't feel equipped or prepared or like we have what it takes to accomplish something, it intimidates us. And when it comes to this part of our worship where we get to give back to God, first, when it comes to giving back, it's, it's interesting to us as church people, um, we call this a form of worship. Uh, when we give our tithes, which means a tenth part, a tenth of what we earn, you know, that's one of the practices we try to just keep employing, like, God, we want to trust you back with that part. But our offerings, which is just because of your goodness, I just want to give, that sometimes we feel ill-equipped. Sometimes you're like, man, my, my money, I just don't have enough. I, I don't have what I need. <clears throat> There's, I mean, if I was going to spend money, I'd spend it on these other things. You know, why would I give it to a church or whatever? What I love is that God has created a system so that he can't receive anything directly from us to him. In other words, you want to offer something to God, well, 
go ahead. What are you going to throw your money up in the air? And God, take whatever you want. The rest I'll just keep. You know, if it comes back down, I guess you didn't want to have it. So that's, you know, what is it? How do you give to God? God has set it up so that we give indirectly by giving to others. We give to the poor. We give to ministries. We give to things that are actually out <clears throat> doing his will. And that's one of the ways in which we contribute to God. God doesn't need our resources. But he set it up so that we could participate with him through our resources. And when it comes to not feeling equipped or prepared or whatever, I love a passage that I came across in the Proverbs. This is wisdom literature. This, this is what Solomon, King Solomon said. And again, this isn't like he's just making promises on God's behalf. This is what he's observed. He watched the world and how it works, and then he recorded what he learned. And this is what he said. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another person withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. This is that truth where he says, I've seen a person who didn't seem to have much, but they just kept giving what they had, and God just kept resourcing them over and over and over. And I just love that idea because I've seen it all throughout my life. It's the people who are generous that God is generous to. It's the person who's stingy. It's like they get holes in their pockets. It's going to go to the car repair. It's going to go to this lawyer fee. It's going to go to something else. But it's like, if you're not generous, God's like, hey, I just can't trust you with more. I love that. And then it goes on. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. I'm going to talk in a moment about some of the opportunities we have where we as Journey are giving and honoring those around us that are poor and in need. But man, this is just a beautiful reminder. Every now and then, God just kind of calls us in to do something. Maybe we're like, ah, oh, I just don't feel like I can afford to. Or I can, But God's like, hey, just watch what I will do with what you do. Watch the way that I will bless the generous heart in generosity back to you. And I just, as the ushers come, I love this truth because I found it true in my own life. And if you want to participate today, do it only from a grateful heart. Don't do it out of compulsion or some other, you know, again, God says he loves a cheerful giver. If you want to be participating today, you can do it in cash, checks, through the buckets. You can do it online at abjourney.com. Or you can text GIVE to the number on the screen, and you can set it up electronically. But this, this is an opportunity we continue to worship God in generosity and trust that he's going to take care of our needs. Let's, let's pray. God, as we, as we come to you today, we just celebrate your goodness. In the season of thanksgiving and gratitude, we owe it all to you. So we pause from our singing, and we add another aspect of our worship, which is our giving. And we just thank you, Lord, from our hearts as well as our, our resources, and say you're first. And we want you to use these to your glory and the people's good. And we ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, whilst the ushers are collecting that, I would invite Talia to join me on stage. Talia is going to be my partner this morning in telling you about what's going on at the church. So Talia, come join me. Good morning. So this morning, as we're going on with our service, first of all, fifth and sixth graders, you were dismissed. You can head out to the lobby. You'll be meet, uh, meeting your team leaders, and they'll take you over to the kids' building next door where you'll have your program. So fifth and sixth, you can head on out. And also, if you're a guest, you need to know that we do this for you. Folks give and sacrifice and serve because we want to make an experience that is going to be hard to forget. We want it to be a great experience for you. Part of that experience this morning, if you're new, is just swing by the hotspot, our little slanted desk out there, 
and pick up a gift. We have something Surprise. we'd like to give you as a little, you know, thank you for coming this morning. We don't want anything from you, just to have a great experience and let us continue to just kind of bless you. Hope this is a great day for you. So tell us what's going on, Talia. So the first thing that's going to happen is this Wednesday, three days, November 20th, we're having a Journey Family Thanksgiving potluck yep. here. Uh, um, I yeah. actually, first service, I gave bad information. I said it was Thursday, so if you know anybody that got the bad information, please give them Wednesday, the, Wednesday, Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. It's potluck style. If you want to bring something, sign up at the hotspot. Let us know what you're going to bring. If you don't want to bring anything, still show up because it's it's a family, family right. event, so we want <laughs> yes. everybody to be here. And also, speaking of Thanksgiving, um, if you guys are going to be in town, uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we're going to be serving at Grace Resource to help people that are um, less fortunate and give them some, some good Thanksgiving food. So if you're in town and you want to volunteer, sign up for that at the hotspot too. That's Thanksgiving <laughs> around Journey, so you can participate yes. there. But how about Christmas? Christmas is coming, and we want you to be prepared for Christmas as well. Yes. Here's what we do at Journey. We love to transform our environments to kind of reflect, you know, the season. So in Christmas time, we want to decorate for Christmas. And this also helps us get started preparing for our Christmas chill. We'll tell you about that. But this next Sunday, next Sunday morning after second service, we're going to kind of renovate this building as uh, for Christmas. We're going to redecorate for Christmas. If you want to stick around, right around noon, we're going to gather for a couple hours just to kind of decorate. So if you have those, you know, first of all, if you're a laborer and just like some of us, you're just going to haul stuff in. Uh, and the rest of you can help put lights and everything on. That's happening next Sunday, right after second service, right around 11.45, 12. Then... This all leads up to the Christmas chill. This is, tell us about Christmas chill. The Christmas chill is super fun. I went last year. Um, it's a foster teen Christmas party. Um, it's basically, we throw a huge party here. Um, there's food, games, uh, prizes, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, free dinner from Chick-fil-A. Oh yeah, free, oh, oh snap. Yeah. I didn't know, see, first service didn't get that one, sorry. Um, yeah, so everyone's gonna get fed. All the kids are gonna leave with a prize. We're gonna need um, volunteers setting up, tearing down, um, donating gifts. Um, yeah, like I said, everybody leaves with something. All the kids have a super great, all the teenagers, sorry, not yeah. the kids. The teenagers have a super great time and it's a really cool thing to be a part of. So if you wanna right. sign up for that, that is at the hot spot as well. We are so, like as Journey, we're so good at giving back to the community. You are, and this is why I love this. As this season of the year, when a lot of people are thinking about children, and there's all, all kinds of, you know, the shoebox thing and all that they're doing at Kyle's gym this year. But if you want to be a part of something that gives back to some folks that are sometimes overlooked, because honest, think about it, these kids are in the foster system because of no fault of their own. It's because things that happened that were broken in their families. And they're the ones that not a lot of people think of this time of year. So I love that Journey has partnered with DCFS and now Chick-fil-A is helping just to make their experience amazing. So gift cards, yes. everybody walks out with a $25 gift card. Everybody walks out with an experience of having just been celebrated and loved on. As Talia said, hot spot. If you want to yep. give cards, you want to give gifts, there are things you can sign up for specific. There's a wish list out there. You can sign up for specific things we want to do uh, to say we love you to our foster teens. So that's out there as well. And they all really appreciate it too. Like they're just, they're having a great, it's, so good. it's really cool to experience it. But yeah, so now it's time to say good morning to somebody and let them know that you're Stand so excited up. to see them at Greet church today. Greet your neighbor. High five, Greet handshake, and hug.
Good morning. Hold on. All right, good morning. How are we doing this very fine November Sunday? You know this is the season for thankfulness, right? How many are feeling very thankful right now? Good. Good. I had a, I had a week that, you know, I was super thankful for. Um, I uh, got called in for jury duty. So that was the kickoff to my week. Awesome. Uh, but it wasn't just any jury duty. It was federal court, which meant that I got to drive to L.A., called Monday night, found out, of course, yes, in fact, you do get to show up. You get to. I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Woke up at 4 a.m. to be on the road by 5. The moment I got on the, the freeway, you know, I'm just driving along, drinking my coffee, being positive. And the car in front of me was not paying attention to the fact that the car in front of it was slowing down because now, for whatever reason, on the 14, as soon as you get on, it starts becoming like stop-and-go traffic. Slammed into the back of it. The car's trunk went up. Stuff went out. The other car's whole hood went up. Everything was a mess. I had to swerve out of the way trying to keep my coffee from spilling. And I'm like, God, it is too early for this crap. I got no time for this. I got to get to court because if I don't, they're going to find me. All this stuff's going to go wrong. Just get me down there. Get off the freeway because, you know, Waze told me to. <laughs> told me I should take Angeles Forest Crest, but as soon as I get off the freeway, it waits till I got off to inform me that Angeles Forest Crest is closed. <laughs> so then I got to take these side roads all the way down, halfway there, uh, in the middle of the night, basically, because, you know, the sun doesn't rise until like 6.30. So it's the middle of the night, I have no service, and I'm winding all over in, the, in this one-way road that I have no clue where I'm at. But it, pits, it spits me out perfectly right where Santa Clarita is, which is, you know, the best place you want to be, because if anybody knows traffic on the 14, the worst possible traffic is right around Santa Clarita. So that was fun. Made it in time, got there. Uh, got in line, didn't bring anything with me, you know, because I didn't know what I was allowed to have or what not to have, you know, because it's federal court. So I'm like, I don't know, that sounds pretty official. I should probably not, like, I was afraid, you know, like my, if I brought like a portable battery charger or something, they'd, you know, confiscate it as a weapon or something. So I was like, we're not doing any of that. So we'll just, we're, I cannot mess around with this. We need to get this over with. Go in, we do an hour and a half orientation, at which point afterwards, you know, you have those people who asked questions that the lady literally just spent an hour and a half answering. Oh my gosh, they're so annoying, that killed me. I was so positive about it too, you know, just sitting there, I'm like, Lord Jesus. Excuse me, ma'am, and I'm like, she literally just answered that question, seriously? It's, it's just, we can't, we can't, lady. We ain't got no time for this. We get called eventually, you know, in different groups and called up to our courtroom where they introduce you to the teams and, um, you start hearing about what the case is about or whatever, and then they, they call up 18 potential jurors into the seats, and you stand up, and each person has to go through and give their entire life story. You know, at which point, they, you know, the judge asks for every single question, would this inhibit your ability to make unbiased decisions? How about this? And I sat there. The first 18 took so long, we had to go to lunch. Got ourselves an hour lunch. That was good. 
Really happy about that. So thankful. Got to go back up. Continued the process for another couple hours. Finally, around like 2.30, 3 o'clock, they ended with their jury. I was not asked to even go up, so I just got to sit there the whole time. So pumped. <laughs> go back downstairs, you know, thinking, I, I did what I got to do. I didn't get picked. I'm good to go, right? Huh. You thought. Go back downstairs, and they're like, okay, well, go ahead and wait, because there's other judges trying to, you know, put together their uh, juries as well, so you can just wait. So I proceeded to wait in the waiting room. My phone, you know, is at 1% because I didn't bring a charger. And all that was on the TV was a cooking show, which I got to watch for the next three hours when they finally let us out at 5 o'clock, which was perfect time for 5 o'clock traffic in the middle of downtown LA. Thank you, Lord. I was so grateful. Actually, by that point, I was like, God, I'm fed up with this. I don't even care. I'm not sitting in traffic again. So I drove myself to Santa Monica, took myself out to a nice dinner and a movie, had the best date I've ever had in my life. <laughs> best date ever to myself. Drove home. Got to encounter court a second time this week on Thursday because um, I had gotten a ticket, a fix-it ticket for my, I, before you judge, listen up. You got a ticket. I got a fix-it ticket because my license plate was old and the reflective uh, coating was coming off and like peeling off and so I had to get that replaced. Really grateful for that. Got to go, uh, took care of everything in like 15 minutes and I was like, that's great. Uh, that was like a month ago. Like took care of it, handled it. Gotta love AAA for that. Handled my business, went and took it, got the ticket signed off. Went and took it to the courthouse to like just have them look at it, be like, you're good to go. But of course, it's never that simple. She's like, oh, oh you're going to have to see a judge for this one. And I said, ma'am, it's a fix-it ticket. I don't know if you know that. She said, yeah, I'm very much aware. Thank you. And I said, awesome. I'm a pastor, so I can't tell you what I'm really thinking. So I went home and, you know, my happy butt came back to court on Thursday because that was my court date, was this Thursday at 8.30 in the morning. Got to get back in line and go through the whole process, sit in a room where everybody with traffic violations had to get up and plead guilty, not guilty, or no contest. You know, that's great. Another, another whole video, you know, of introductions to which a guy had to ask every question that the video had just communicated. I go up there and the judge says, did you uh, take care of... Did you take care of your license plate? I said, yep. He said, great. Bailiff, if you could see the, the ticket. She said, it's signed. He said, good, you're good to go. That's going to be a $25 court fee. And I said, praise God. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? Went over to the bailiff. Bailiff said, but your paperwork's not going to be ready, so you can't actually pay that until I'm done with that. You can come back at 1.30. I said, I get to. That's great. Love that. Let me rearrange my entire schedule for Thursday. Since I didn't have, wasn't able to do any of my meetings on Tuesday, let me rearrange things so that I can make sure and be here for 1.30. That's my favorite. These are the kinds of things that we deal with, right? Got to go to breakfast and, and uh, uh, in the meantime, and had a conversation that really kind of slapped me in the face because I was going through, you know, speaking so, like, positively about my week. You know, because I'm the kind of person that's like, I'm, you know, I'm sitting with a friend talking, and I'm like, man, this is going to be such a crappy week. 
And they're like, you, you, you know, you just got to be more positive about it. You got those people in your life? You just got to be more positive about it. Like, it could be the, your best week ever. And I'm like, okay, I'm positive it's going to be the crappiest week. Are you happy? I'm positive. Are we, are we on the same page now? You know, that's, that's my mentality. And sitting at lunch or at breakfast, I'm sitting there having this conversation. And, uh, and um, you know, it, it's always good to have people who speak truth into your life. And uh, I kind of got slapped a little bit as God used that moment to remind me where was, uh, I was reminded, isn't, aren't these the exact moments where we need to be grateful? This is everyday life, right? I mean, for many of you guys, the inconveniences, the frustrations, and the, the things that get in the way of our routines and what we want, like, this happens to all of us, does it not? Is this, this is part of life, is it not? And yet, those are the very things that, for me, can cause me to spiral into a very dark, frustrated, angry, irritated, resentful place. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, well, if not, I'll preach to myself this morning. You guys can just take it and share it with somebody who's around you that's negative. <laughs> you see, this is the kind of thing that I'm realizing in this season. I was talking to my mom about it last night. I'm like, do, like, do we continue a series? Like, do we talk about thankfulness? Like, it's so repetitive. Like, that's just what we do every year. And my mom said something really interesting. She was like, um, but isn't isn't remembering the very point of what Thanksgiving's all about in the first place? If we don't talk about it, can we remember it? Will we remember what this is really about? Isn't the entire season centered on gratitude, right? We know that, we say that. Some of you have bought, you bought out Hobby Lobby's gift section and all of their gratitude, thankfulness, every word that is a synonym of the word, you have it in your house somewhere but you don't feel very grateful. See, we live in a, in a world where it's, it's very easy to focus. Our media wants to highlight all the dark stuff you heard about, you know, the shooting in Santa Monica, or I mean in uh, Santa Clarita. Got some ugly stuff that goes on in our worlds. Um, and yet, this is a challenge in this season, and I have personally felt extremely challenged by this. Really, it was a slap in the face and a reminder on Thursday, God saying, this is, the exact time to fight for gratitude. The exact time when you feel it least and you want it least and it seems the least like uh, where your head's at and your heart's at that we need it most. And I see this within scripture. I love uh, a story as I, as I decided like, okay, this God, if this is what you want to go with, then this is what we're going to do because I really believe that we, that Gratitude is oversimplified. I mean, it's, it's a simple idea, but it's really tough in practice. And, and it's something, though, that I think it, it becomes the root. They say it's the parent of all other things. All other positive things come as a result of gratitude. The parent. I thought that was interesting. In Scripture, we have a story that centers around gratitude and thanks, thankfulness. And it's, it's in Luke Chapter 17, starting in verse 11, we're going to read that this morning. This is what it says. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. 
And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This story is intriguing to me. I, I, I think it's something that I, I because it's a challenge for me, um, I look at this and, uh, and I, you start to wonder, you know, what, what, God, what are you trying to show through this? And, and I love this story because Jesus is doing some interesting things. You see, uh, being positive versus being negative, it starts to show up in the way that we, we see life in general. It becomes a, it's a mindset. It, it starts out in a lot of ways a choice, but it ends up becoming just a, a subconscious frame of mind. It becomes the way that we perceive and view the world. And I think that it's interesting because when we look at this, the first thing that I love about this story is Jesus' part in this story. Because I think for those who are highly critical, judgmental, harsh, cold, negative by, by like in their, in their own nature, tend to project onto scripture nothing but those attributes and those characteristics of God. And I think what I love about stories like this is it highlights Jesus' compassion. And it wasn't just that it highlighted his compassion for those who were like him. See, it makes a point to communicate that the one who came back was a Samaritan. And I always come back and highlight these things because in scripture, in the original writing, this is significant because originally it's written to the Jewish community. This gospel is being written to the Jewish community, and it's important because as it's, this, it's recounting who Jesus was and what he was doing, we see that this moment is a moment where he has compassion. There are 10 guys who are unclean. In, this, in, in their culture, you, you know, they didn't have hospitals and different things the way that we do now, so they had to quarantine anybody who was considered contagious. Leprosy was a term that was, it was a blanket statement. It was a term used for all kinds of sickness that was contagious, especially any type of lesions or things on your body that could potentially knock out the rest of the community in the city. In order for them to protect the community, they would push everybody who was sick and had, you know, leprosy out of the community. And so they had to yell, anytime people came by, they had to yell, unclean, unclean. And these people start yelling, and Jesus heals them, and I love his compassion, because in an instant, he does it. He doesn't, it doesn't have to be this, you know, huge dramatic thing. He just says, go and show yourself, and as they turn and step out and walk in obedience, they are healed. It's not, it's not he heals them, and then they go check the priest, because you have to go to the priest. The priest is the one who determines whether or not you are, in fact, uh, clean enough to re-enter into society. They would do the entire, they would go through entire sacrificing uh, an animal and, and cleansing ceremony and bring you back in. Um, and this was significant, but I love that it says he was a Samaritan because for the community, for the Samaritan to be the one to come back and be highlighted as the hero, just once again communicates the heartbeat of God. Communicates the heartbeat of God all over again. I think this stuff is important. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. 
Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Were, are, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? See, there's an understanding here that when the, the one came back to praise, what he was actually saying is, you are God. You are God. I'm thankful because your healing is evidence that you are, in fact, you would not be able to do this outside of being connected to God. Therefore, you must be God. And I will worship and thank you in a way that is worthy and what is due for being cleansed. This was, their, their story was a death sentence. To be outside of the community, I mean, if they did have leprosy, it looked like an episode of The Walking Dead. Anybody know the show Walking Dead? Mummies or dead people that walk around. There's a lot of those. And people would, in this community, begin to look like that as your extremities, the nerve endings would begin to die. You would lose fingertips and noses and all kinds of extremities. It got crazy. I mean, it looked crazy. And if you were to touch them, you would then therefore become unclean. It was a death sentence. You were left outside the community. And this was a moment where Jesus gave them their physical lives back. They were allowed to go back to their families, to see their kids grow up, to, to you know, hug their spouses, to, to go back to work. They're, they were brought back to life. They were given their lives back. This was huge for these 10 guys. Transformative, life-changing, huge. And I think it's significant because what we see of, of these stories with Israel, Israel is absolutely a very real people group, and it's a, a very real culture, but Israel throughout all of scripture is also a symbol of the human condition. I am Israel. You are Israel. And it contrasts with something like the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there, uh, Israel has been released from slavery out of Egypt. They're traveling through the wilderness, and they come to the point where Moses is like, okay, we're going to send some spies in to check out the land. And so he sends in a representative from every tribe. So there's 12 of them. They go check out the land, and it's gorgeous. They say it's a land flowing with milk and honey, which was just language to describe that it was lush, and it was, it was ready for farming, and, and the the, the trees and the fruit and all that was there um, would be perfect for living. And they come back, and 10 of them are, and, and, and seeing all of that, they came back, and two of them were like, yes, let's go. But the 10 of them, the other 10, saw it, and all they saw were the, the, the roadblocks, the things in the way. What they saw was that there were big people in that land with well-fortified cities and things in the way. Now, mind you, yes, if it's just anybody, you'd be like, well, that's logical. That makes sense. But this is a people who at the time had been released from slavery by plagues that they got to watch God outwork amongst the people. Not only that, they had just walked through a sea that parted in half and they walked through and then closed after them where the Egyptians all got swallowed up by it. Like, you can't say that God hadn't shown what was going on, like shown his power, shown his ability, and that he was leading this people. He was also, he happened to be leading them as a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. Like, this is some stuff that you're like, I mean, come on. Come on. I mean, I'm negative, but you're pushing it. Real talk, 
I mean, this is something that I think is interesting because what we begin to see and what I think is so crucial when we're talking about gratitude is I can't help but wonder if it's not that when you pray that God is not answering your prayers, but that he is blessing you and all you can see is the roadblocks in the way. What if God isn't just good because he's going to answer, but there are things he has already answered, but because our mindset, our eyes are so focused on the negative things, the hindrances, the things in the way, the roadblocks, the frustrations, the inconveniences, we completely miss the blessing and only see the negative things associated with that blessing. We got a pool recently. Pool's beautiful. Takes a lot of upkeep though. What a blessing. Until you don't, you know, until you don't take care of all the chemicals correct and it turns green in an instant. It's a high maintenance pool. Blessing? Question mark. You wanted to get married, you got yourself a spouse. Blessing? Question mark. Yes, for kids. Some of you had a lot of them. Blessing? Question mark. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm putting out questions. Just questions, throwing out some questions. There are blessings that we reach for and that we ask for, that we look for, that we long for, and I can't help but wonder if it is not God who is in the way of us living our best lives, but it is ourselves. Is it possible that you have stepped into a way of thinking, a format of seeing, a way of perceiving the world that is actually you are your own worst enemy, that God has not blessed everyone except for you, that he has not ignored you or left you out, but that in the things that he has blessed you with, you are unavailable for seeing. You can't recognize it for what it is because like the 10 it's easier to see the problems associated with that than the blessing itself and the fact that God has offered it to you and will take care of it y'all this morning I've been so challenged by this because I really believe that gratitude is at the root of just about everything it's at the root of just about everything Romans 12 2 says it this way do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love that it ends with his good, pleasing, and perfect will because I think that alone is a statement that most of us aren't sure about. I think most of the time we read something like that, it's like, you can read that, and if I didn't say anything, you maybe didn't even think twice about it. But in reality, that statement alone is something that you wrestle with and struggle with on a daily basis on whether or not God is trustworthy and whether or not his will is good, pleasing, and perfect for your life. Does God know what he's doing in our stories? Do we, are we able to give him the control? Do not conform by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is important. Because for generations, for the longest time, we were taught and scientists believed and psychologists believed that you, your mind was, began to form when you were a baby and you would intake information and language and, and your patterns and all of that was moldable when you were a baby. But the moment you grew up, it would lock in, it would become concrete, and then it was, that was it. It was fixed this way. And now you just got to deal with who you are. You got to deal with what you were left with. If you dealt with childhood wounds and trauma, sorry, you just got to do your best. You're just going to have to deal with life. 
Researchers now have found something very interesting that the opposite is true. They call it neuroplasticity. Neuroscientists have begun to understand and unlock that the fact that your mind can actually rewire itself. You are actually capable of rewiring and changing the way you think. You are fully in control and capable of doing this. That the more research they do, the more they understand that those who have emotional disorders, that have physical disabilities, they are learning that they can help people rewire their brains to still be able to use these, these functions, to overcome these, these illnesses, these, these um, struggles and tensions in their lives. You see, neuroplasticity is important because it's the rewiring of your brain, but I think it's so funny because we talk about this and now scientists say it and people are like, oh wow, I guess there's some validity to that. And I can't help but wonder if God's just up there being like, are you kidding me? That verse has been in scripture for like 2,000 years. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Did you catch that? that you would be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Guys, the way we think is crucial. Gratitude is crucial in how we approach life because gratitude is the very thing that helps us to begin to see what God has done and offered versus what is not yet accomplished or what's wrong with the world or what's wrong with people, what's wrong with our spouses, our relationships, what's wrong with our jobs and our bosses, what's wrong Everything flows out of that. I believe gossip flows out of that. Because you can only see what's negative about people. I believe depression flows out of that because you can only see what's not happening in your life. I believe anxiety flows out of that because you can't see that there's any possible good scenarios. And so you're anxious all the time that this isn't going to work out. Neuroplasticity proves the fact that actually, no matter how young or old you are, your mind can be completely rewired. And this is why it's important to address and adjust our thinking because the opposite, neuroplasticity, works in both ways. It, It works equally with the negative, that you can reinforce negative connections. Those neurons connect, and all of a sudden, there is negative reinforcement, and that now is strengthened and becomes a solidified pattern of thinking in your mind. And it becomes so subconscious, you don't even realize you're doing it. Here's the good news. You can change it. You can affect it today by weakening that. You can begin to weaken those connections by choosing to fight for gratitude, to fight for thankfulness, by fighting for the positive, for what God is doing. I'm not saying deny reality. I'm not saying look at something and be like, it's all good. It's illogical. I get that. I'm a very logical person. I'm not going to say something that it's not. I'm not going to sit here and say, this is a look at a terrible situation and say, this is a great situation. But what I realized is that God, and even in those conversations, it wasn't that I was necessarily even being asked to be grateful for those situations, though I think in maturity we learn to do that as well. But for starters, it's enough to just be grateful despite those situations, within those situations. Gratitude becomes our fight against the, the, the lies and the ugly that Satan wants to make us believe is the only thing that's going on in our world. 
as if there is nothing redemptive or beautiful or good happening. Y'all, yes, there is ugly, but there is good happening too all around us. Beautiful things. God is working in so many incredible ways all around you. If you can just see it. No, it's not being highlighted in the news. You might actually just have to put down your newspaper and go outside and take a look. Because things are happening. And what I love about this is when people are connected to God and we begin to live from a mindset that has these strong connections with what is good, with God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, we end up being a very big light in a very dark world because the light shines the brightest where the darkness is the greatest. And in moments like this, the shooting that just happens, we don't need more Christians to build bunkers and to hide away and to wait for the return of Jesus. We need people who are so dedicated to gratitude, so heart set on God's goodness and faithfulness in their own lives that there is nothing to stop them from getting out there and being that light in the darkness. It is why we need the church. Church becomes irrelevant when all we do is sit here and hear more messages about how to do better. It's not about doing better. It's about living our best life now. If you're waiting for it to happen to you, it will never come. Because research shows that gratitude does not come as a result of feeling happy. You choose to practice gratitude and happiness is the result. After I did my... The, read my commentaries and read scripture and all of these things, I, I went and started watching some TED Talks to just see, and it was interesting. I watched a number of them, and whether it was a Jesuit priest, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, business owners, scientists, researchers, all Christian, not Christian, all kinds of different whatever, they all came to the same conclusion that gratitude actually was the root of happiness. Y'all, I don't need some scientist to tell me that because Scripture's been telling me that all along. Scripture's been telling me this all along. And y'all, most of us, we know this. We know this, we know this, we know this. This isn't meant to teach you something new as much as it is to remind you of something old. You took, you took a 101 class, maybe this is 201 for you. This stuff's important. It's important, too, because you know what I've, I've found is one of the greatest enemies, the greatest attackers of gratitude is complaining. Complaining. Anybody know a big complainer? Don't raise your hands. I'll complain about you later. <laughs> Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Everything. That feels impossible. I'm not saying you got to deny the reality of what's going on in your circumstances and in your world. What I'm saying is that there's a possibility to be grateful no matter what you find your circumstances are. You see, positivity and choosing to, to, for gratitude to be your reality is not based out of some feel-good emotion. It's a choice. It's a practice. And it should be hard because if you're already wired mentally, if your mind has naturally made strong connections of negative connections, it's going to take time for those to break down and to reform positive ones. You realize that, right? That's the way the brain works. So it's not going to happen overnight, and you may not feel it overnight. It may start with choosing every day to set an alarm clock for noon. And as soon as that alarm goes off, you choose to be thankful for something new every day. 
If you don't feel like you have anything to be grateful for, let me put it this way. If you have anything in your life that you would be devastated, hurt, or upset if you lost it, it probably deserves to be thanked for. It probably is something that, you des- that God deserves to be thanked for. Something as simple as, did you walk in this morning? Didn't think about it. Probably weren't grateful for it. But if you lost it, bet you'd be upset about it. Relationships. People in our world, people, for me, it's, if I get negative, people go from being the thing that God has put in my life, that uh, he, God has put in my life as for a purpose and for a meaning uh, and a, a reason and maybe to teach me something and instead become a, a hindrance of what the goal is that I've got to reach. I've got to get there. You're in my way, so could you move? And God's like, nope, that's the point. I put them there. How we perceive things is important because the 10 versus the 2, the biggest difference is the 10 still lived in a victim, victimized mentality. Did you know that there's researchers are showing that gratitude and practicing of gratitude can actually heal childhood wounds? They're showing that, that the devastation caused that maybe you had no control over can actually be rewired and healed through practicing gratitude. Romans 1.21 says it this way, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. I want to read this again. For although they knew God, some of us, we know God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their, their foolish hearts were darkened. Our hearts become foolish and darkened when we are unwilling to choose gratitude, when we are unwilling to give thanks. I think it's important that we recognize that is specifically stated that giving thanks is part of what keeps that process thinking becoming futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you can perceive God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Y'all, this all interconnects. It all interconnects. I think it's important to remember this morning that as, as we're looking at the story, we go back to the story at the beginning. The lepers. The one comes back. As much as this is a physical story, and I believe happened. I believe it took place. I believe Jesus did what he came to do, and this was one of the things that he came and did, completed, handled. Because if it didn't happen, there was enough people. The letters were, and all of this, these accounts were circulating around the same time that the people who were alive with Jesus were still alive. So recognize if I wrote a letter saying that my dad was the Messiah, and y'all saw him sinning, you would easily rip apart that letter, and it'd be discredited and thrown out as trash because there's too many people that have evidence and have seen with their own eyes, there's too many eyewitnesses that it wasn't the case. So for something to be what we're reading 2,000 years later, it's pretty interesting that it didn't just get ripped up the moment people heard it because there were too many people that saw it. Something to think about. I think in the moments, it's important to recognize that this, as much as this is a, uh, a physical 
story that, that Jesus actually did with this person, it is also a spiritual metaphor for each of us. Scripture says we are dead in our transgressions, that we were dead. We, we look like Pharisees. I mean, sorry, we do look like Pharisees a lot of times. But we also look like lepers, those with leprosy, dead. One came back, and I think it's so interesting because what was said about him is that Jesus said, uh, go, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, isn't this redundant? Because didn't he get cleansed and healed the moment he walked away? But what Jesus took care of now was not just a physical healing, which for those of us, as you get older, you recognize my body deteriorates no matter what. Whether I have leprosy or not, it's a help for a little while. But eventually, I'm going to die again anyways. So the real question is, is my soul alive? Is, the, is who I am in my essence being renewed? If we were to put on spiritual glasses this morning, if we were to say, see things the way that Jesus sees them, the way that God himself sees them, and we had spiritual lenses, would you look like somebody in really nice, fancy clothes with your nose falling off like somebody out of the walking dead because you have leprosy, you, because we are dead because of our sins, right? We are broken, destroyed. Sin is the very thing that causes us to live in negativity. The more we walk in that, the more hardened our hearts become, the more we walk away from God and are incapable of seeing his goodness in our lives. We choose our own way. We cannot see his way. Period. So the reality is, if we are choosing that, then what we are left with is a leprous spirit, a leprous heart. Our internals are, are filled with leprosy. I can tell you from my own life, I was in church for a very long time. And still, if you had spiritual lenses, would see that I had a lot of leprosy. That my limbs, I would look like a very well-dressed walking dead person. And the reality is that this morning, many of us have not, we've experienced some healing, but because our minds have not been transformed and we've not allowed God to start challenging some of this stuff, we have forgotten why we show gratitude in the first place. Because the gift that was offered was a removal of your spiritual leprosy, full life brought back to you. You were invited into fullness of life, fullness of relationship, that all of a sudden that changes everything. Because a person who lives can dream. A person who lives can believe for more. A person who lives can find somebody, um, they can find their purpose within this dark world and begin to live for something beyond themselves. They don't have to live in survival mode. As we get ready to close, I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity to speak because for me, I know I'm unworthy. I know I'm a man that is fought with leprosy and lost. And I also know that I have come into contact with Jesus and he has cleansed me and healed me. The one that came back, the greatest gift was the fact that when he came back to Jesus, what Jesus was offering him was eternal life, the thing that he and he alone could offer. Renewal. Renewal not only of his body, but of his spirit. This morning, as we close, want us to think about the role that gratitude plays in each of our lives. Can we be grateful to God, if nothing else, for the gift, what he's already offered, 
Can we challenge ourselves against the natural progression of thought to be Israel, to be brought out of slavery? You know what the Israelites said when, when the 10 told, uh, told them, they recounted their story and said that uh, the promised land was no good because there was too many, uh, too many things in the way? The people said, oh, that we would have just lived, we would have just stayed in Egypt. Oh, that we would have just stayed in slavery. Oh, that we would have just died in the wilderness. Y'all, that sounds like us sometimes. I can honestly say that sounds like me sometimes. We sometimes slap God's hand when he offers us the gift because we don't see it as a gift because our minds have been darkened. This morning, I want to pray. Interesting with the story, I had to go back at 1.30 to visit the courts and, you know, pick up my paperwork. And I fought really hard after that conversation at breakfast to just choose to be positive. I was like, okay. You're right, I need to fight for this. This is the time that it's the most vital to just be grateful. And so fighting not to complain, not to have an attitude, um, not to be annoyed, go back at 1.30 and I stand before the bailiff and she's like, oh, your paperwork's not here. Great. He was really happy about it. The lady looks at the other lady and the lady's like, oh, sorry, this was a complicated case. And I'm like, how complicated could it have been? It was a... It, it was a license plate. It was a fix-it ticket. I fixed it in 30 minutes. We got no problem. And she's like, oh, it's for whatever reason, as I was trying to apply the court fees, they, it wouldn't let me. So I had to, get, I had to ask the, the judge to get the fees waived. So the bailiff looked at me, handed me the paperwork, and said, guess you're free to go. And I looked at it, and it was just a moment where any of you could easily just be like, eh, that's coincidence, eh, that's happenstance. And I tell you, you're negative. Because for me in that moment, what I truly felt was God saying, when you choose to fight for gratitude, you see the blessings that are all around you and I will bless you more. Even in the small things, in the sim seemingly insignificant things. Could I not pay a $20 fee? Sure I could, but it was really annoying. But the reality is I felt like God was like, when you choose to do things my way, I, you give me permission and space to bless you all the more. Guys, fight for gratitude this season. Can we not fight for that? To see the small things when they happen. To see the moments when God is faithful. To see the moments when God shows up in your world and instead of bypassing that and moving right on to the next thing, that we see it for what it is and it causes us to praise, to bend down, to thank him and to worship him for his faithfulness in our lives. Let us worship our God this morning. For we were dead and now we are alive. Blind and now we see leprous and we've been invited back into community, back into relationship, back into life, back into dreaming and hoping and believing and living with purpose. You're invited into it today. Choice is yours. It starts with simple acts. One of the things that about neuroplasticity and all these book by the, it's called Switch on Your Brain by uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf. She's a Christian neuroscientist. You want to get into some technical stuff that just kind of puts you in a whole new level of everything I just said, but in a really scientific way, read that. Otherwise, start to choose to practice this. Get accountability with somebody. The other thing is this. Maybe some of you feel grateful, but you don't act on your gratitude, and so nobody else knows that you're grateful. You know what that's like? That's like buying a present for somebody, wrapping it up, making it really pretty, and then letting it sit in your closet. The present is irrelevant if you don't give it to the person. Make sure you share it with people around you. If you are grateful for something, I don't care if it, you become aware of it at two o'clock in the morning, shoot the text out. Just send it. Maybe they're not going to be grateful for it if it wakes them up. 
but they will in the morning. Let's choose this. Let's fight for this. Let's believe for this. And let's watch as it shifts our perspective and our thinking as a whole. And all of a sudden, the church becomes a positive force in a broken world. Because we've chosen to take the steps personally. It starts with me. It starts with you. It's, we don't got to fix the institution. We don't got to fix everybody else. We don't got to fix everything else. It starts right here. You have been given a gift. Do we have things to be grateful for today? I do. I do. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that you continue to just have patience with me. That you have patience for, for us when, when we forget to be grateful, when we forget to be thankful, when we get caught up and lost in our lives and in our, our, the things that seem to not be going right and the inconveniences and frustrations that life throws at us. God, I pray that it would start with a deep gratitude for what you've done for us. That we are offered a gift of healing from spiritual leprosy this morning. We are invited back into community. We are invited back into life to the full. When we choose to operate in relationship with you, when we choose to thank you, our, our perspective begins to shift. God, I pray that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds this morning. That gratitude would not just be something that we hold on to, but that every time we feel ourselves wanting to complain, we choose to speak something out that we're grateful for instead. God, let this change our city. Let it change our families, but let it start with us. Thank you for your faithfulness, for your constant gifts and blessings. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Don't you stand. We're going to close in a song. And let's worship and thank God for the things that he's already offered us.
Jesus, we thank you so much, God, for all that you're doing in our lives and all that you're doing in this church, Father God. 
Lord, we thank, pray that you would continue to move in our lives. We thank you for your goodness. God, if nothing else, we thank you that you are good. God, when we don't feel like it and when our circumstances don't look like it, we still thank you that you're good. God, and that you have a good and perfect will for us. So, Lord, may we begin to live in that. We love you, and we're so grateful for everything you do for us. And all of our people said, amen, amen. We love you guys so much. Thank you for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you here next Sunday.